Glad that we can all be together to uh, worship God. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett. I'm the campus pastor here in Alhambra, and we are on the last two weeks of a series called Built to Last that we've been talking about the last few weeks about how to build a life here and now in the present that actually is going to make a difference for uh, the long haul. And when I talk about the long haul, I'm not just talking like 10, 20 years. I'm talking how do you actually build your life that's going to make a difference in forever uh, in eternity. And that's been kind of the central theme and idea of this series. Uh, what is eternity? What happens after we take our last breath in this life? And how does viewing forever and kind of what happens after we die here, what, how does that make a difference in the choices we make, in the things that we do, the things that we don't do? And ultimately, we've been looking at what the scriptures say about this concept of of forever. And so if you've been here, uh, this is going to be continuation. If you've missed some weeks, I just want to briefly recap where we've been over the last several weeks. We started uh, talking about people live forever. And the reason we care about kind of what's next and what happens when we die and did I make a difference is because God actually made us uh, to live forever as uh, humans. That that's really the, the one destiny and goal that he gave us. It's different than anything else he created. It's this idea of we, we live forever. And so this concept of eternity is actually hardwired into us. And so there's a part of us where we really long for everything to be made right. We long for answers. We long for this, this meaning beyond just the here and now. And so we, we talked about that in week one. The second week, uh, we talked about uh, relationships. And how does the fact that we live forever, how does that impact the way that we treat each other, what we pursue uh, as we relate to others, and the difference that that makes just in our friendships, in our family life, uh, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, and kind of what should be the goal as we relate to people. That was the second week. The third week, uh, we talked about decisions and how do the decisions we make in life, how should we filter them through forever, through eternity? We know what's going to happen when we die, the fact that we're going to face God and we're going to have to give an answer for every thought that we've had, for every attitude, for every choice, for every action. What does that mean for us? When we appear before God in judgment, how does that impact what we do? And what you find is if that's real, as the scriptures say, then that really does make a difference in the things that we decide, whether big or whether small. And then last week we talked about uh, mission. And that is like what should be our ultimate ambition in life, our goals, the priorities. What's the things in light of forever, in light of eternity, that's really important. We talked about importance of loving God, getting to know him, and also investing in people so that they can see that Jesus is really the ultimate hope and security that anyone could have. So we talked about how you begin a relationship with him and how that makes the difference as well. So if you've missed any of those, you'd like to kind of learn more about one of those areas, if that one of those kind of sparks where you're at, uh, you can listen online at churchinthevalley.com, and I encourage you to do that. I want to go back to a thought that I started the series with, because it, again, it kind of forms the rails in which we're kind of going through this, this path of, of learning together. And, it, and it's this idea that this life is not the final destination. That's a premise in Scripture, and it's actually, because we're made to live forever, that's actually something that makes sense to us. If you've ever experienced disappointment, 
and you've kind of looked at the world, you've looked at your circumstances, and you've just felt like, why do things keep crumbling? Why is there pain? Why does it just seem like no matter how excited or hopeful I am about something, why is there this disappointment? And it's because this life is, is not all that there is. And so you, this life is not the final destination is a key perspective for how we're supposed to view life. Because of that, if that's true, what that means is that then this life is preparation for forever. Okay? And we talked about the difference in destination living versus preparation living. If this world is our final destination and there is nothing else, then that's going to lead us to live a certain way. We're going to just get everything, everything, everything we can out of this life because there's nothing else. And we're going to be the center of it because if this is all there is, then I need to put myself in the center so I can get everything I want. But if this life's not the final destination and it's preparation, then it actually does give meaning and pause to the here and now. If this is true, as God has revealed in the scriptures, then that impacts what we do in daily life. And I don't know about you. But if this life is preparation, then I want to prepare in the right way. I want to make sure on this side of eternity, I'm in, living in line with, with what God's told me is important. And so if you're here this morning and you've been a Christ follower a long time, we hope this is an encouragement to you to, to stay after the things that God's told you to do. If you've been investigating Christianity and you're not sure what that means, uh, we want this to kind of give you a, a clear picture of Things that you may have felt before and thought about, but maybe haven't talked about a lot. And so this is kind of our arena to talk about uh, this stuff. And so today we're going to be talking about something that is central to all of us, and that's the idea of, of money. Money, finances, possessions, materials, all those things. And we're going to be talking about issues related to money and some of the questions like this. Uh, how do you respond as you get money and it comes into your life? What do you do when you want money to come into your life and you don't have it and you're just waiting for the money faucet to be turned on and it just trickles into your lap and, you know, trickle. I mean, we would like like a steady pour. And then there's just times where we're like, just blast it, just full, just the money faucet, let it flow into my life. So what, what do we do when we have a lot? What do we do when we don't? Um, we're going to be talking about maybe why we're stressed about money. And I have been stressed about my finances before. Why? Because I actually try to live with a budget. And there's times in my budget that I look at what I've got coming in and I look at what's going out. And you get to those points where you're like, how's that all going to work? You ever had that with your money? We have that a lot in life. Like, we're not sure how it's going to work. Like, maybe we're driving to work and it's going to take us 30 minutes, but we have 15 minutes to get there. And we're like, how's that going to work? You know, we have that in lots of arenas. But when it comes to your money, you get a little nervous. Like when the month keeps on going and your finances are like, I'm good. I'm stopping right here. You know, there's more months. I'm, I'm, I'm just, no, come on, follow them. You know, you ever try to walk your money? It just doesn't have legs. It doesn't work. Okay. But so, it's, you know, it's stressful. So what do we do when, when we have anxiety over it and we're not sure when it's going to come in and, and how to kind of manage all these things? So we're going to be kind of looking at that. But again, we're not just looking at like, what are some helpful money perspectives, but how is money and forever connected? 
Again, how do we look at our finances through the lens of eternity? And actually, it makes a difference like each arena that we've been talking about uh, so far. So here's kind of the first point uh, that I want to talk about. And then I'm going to talk about some common views that we have related to our money. And this is it. Without forever in view, okay, if we don't have forever and we think this life is our final destination, then money can become our ultimate security. That's how we can live. Okay, this is like a central idea that you see in our lives, in our minds, what's important. Without forever in view, money can become our ultimate security. And we gauge how well we're doing based on our money, our bank account, our investments, our job, our materials. That's the gauge of success. And we all deal with that at different degrees. And we all have different inflows and outflows of money. So we're all in different places. But this idea... Without forever in view, money becomes our ultimate security. That, that's something that we all have to deal with and we struggle with. And so we're going to talk about how Jesus, on his ministry on earth, he went around different villages and cities and he talked to varieties of people. And there's actually many lessons that he gave on this subject of money. The reason we're going to look at what Jesus taught is because Jesus always taught with forever in mind. He always taught that here am I to show you the kingdom of God. And this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It's existed before time and it will exist after time wraps up here on earth. And I'm here to show you about my father and how you get into his kingdom. But also I'm going to tell you what's really important. And so if you've kind of read a lot of Jesus' lessons before, you find that he just, he challenges people's perspective. In fact, 15% of what Jesus taught was on the subject of money and possessions. That's actually a high percentage for one topic because he wanted people to get this area because so many people came to him with stresses and concerns. And, okay, we're trying to figure out what it means to follow God. We're trying to figure out how to be righteous. But there's this issue of my money and my possessions and how does that all work? And it was kind of this this edge and tension that that Jesus, he just wanted the people to get. And so we're going to talk about kind of some lessons that, that he's given that is actually practical and helpful for us today. So I hope that's, that's helpful for you. It is for me. But before I do that, I want to talk about some common views of money. This is perspective. Like this is kind of what we tend to do if money is our security. Okay. Now, this, the, these are just three. We could come up with more. And what you don't have to do is raise your hand. If I call it out, you don't have to raise your hand and say, that's me. Unless you really want to, but you don't need to. But what I'd like you to do is just kind of resonate and just say, you know, I, I've, I've dealt with that before. If I talk about this, just kind of be honest with yourself. Like, yeah, I've dealt with that before. Because if you're honest with it on the front end, it will help you kind of see maybe some of the battle that, that you're going to have and that I'm going to have. Okay, so here's some, here's some mentalities related to money. The first is the pack it all in mentality. That's not trademark, but you get kind of what that means. Because if this life is it, if this is the final destination, then you want to use your money to get as much and as much and as much as possible. You want to pack it all in. Okay? And the premise here is we want to buy more and more to make us feel better. Have you ever bought anything and after you bought it, you're like, Oh, man, that, that felt good. 
Can I get a witness? I know I have. You know, you buy something, you're like, that was, that was a good purchase. If you've ever gotten anything on sale, that's up a notch, right? Because like if you pay full price for something, you're always like, well, it's worth the value. But if you get something that's on sale that you really wanted, then you're like, man, that felt good. That felt good. There's often times where we use our money and when we spend stuff on what we want, it, it does make us feel better. Have you ever bought something that you already had? Yeah, okay, I got some hands in the back. See, if you sit in the back, you can raise your hand. You sit in the front, you don't. Right? But I, I know I have. Like, I see something, like maybe it's an article of clothing. I'm like, dude, I love that shirt. And then I bought it, and then my wife says, don't you have that shirt? And then I think, and I think, that's why I liked it. It's the weirdest thing. I just tend to, like, I see it, I'm like, dude... That's, that's me. Of course it's me because I own it. All right? But that's the pack it all in. Like, we don't just want one of things. We want two or three. And especially in the Western world, like, this is kind of normal. You, we buy stuff, and then we buy stuff in case the stuff we buy breaks down or wears out. And we're consumers. We are. But the pack it all in. The problem with this mentality is that we're never satisfied and we get disappointed. Because... The stuff that we like, feel good about, it, it usually isn't as good as we, we think. And it does wear out, and it no longer functions, and we have to get a new one. And so we, we deal with this. We love to buy stuff. It makes us feel better. But once we've packed it all in, we look at our stuff and like, eh, we're still not satisfied. Okay? So that's the first one. If you, if you can relate to that, just kind of inside your brain say two thumbs up. Okay? Uh, the second mentality is more money. Is more, equals more power, more money, more power, okay? This is the idea that status is tied to money. So it may not just be I need to buy stuff, but I just need to make a certain level of money. Because if I make a certain level, then I have the status that I'd like, and it makes me look a certain way. So this is more about identity. More money equals more power, and let's face it, in the world, doesn't it look like the people with the most money have the most power? Right? It seems like status is given to those that have more. And so it kind of feeds just what we see in, in our culture and in our world. And so more money grows your influence. This is the premise. Therefore, money is all you need to get ahead in life. If I get more money, I get more power, I get more influence. This is going to help me get ahead. It's easy to buy into this. Okay, the problem with this mentality is that influence and our well-being is fleeting if it's only anchored in materialism. If our life is built on the money we make, what happens if we no longer make that amount of money? It's similar to the pack it all in, but it's a little bit different because, again, it's status and identity. And what happens where, like, just the amount we had is, is no longer good enough. And then the third mentality is the shelter and security mentality. This may not be so much about the here and now. We don't necessarily want to pack it all in. We don't necessarily want the status. But we want to pack it away. We just want to put money away and put money away and put money away so we feel secure. So we live in fear 
Here's the, the premise here. You'll see it on the screen. We live in fear because of the future, so we use money as a force field to protect us. There's the unknown in life. We all experience it. It's called the future. We don't know what's going to happen. Now, hear me. The shelter and security, it's actually good to save money because you need to be prepared for the unknown. But the problem with this mentality is we're never secure enough if our money is our only security. If it's the only thing that we have to protect us, we're never secure enough. Because even if you put enough away, you come up with more concerns and more unknown, and it's never good enough. And you, just, you can kind of be on this hamster wheel. You're just spinning and spinning and spinning because of the unknown. So now all three of these are kind of normal. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've actually kind of thought and dealt with each of these myself. Different things that I've thought about all the time. Like, I need to, I need to be putting more into retirement. And if you've ever looked like at the percentages of things and kind of what you're supposed to be spending in each area in Southern California, like you're supposed to be spending a certain percentage on housing. Have you ever done this? It's so depressing because like in Southern California, it's like, you you know, all the percentages look like 30 percent on housing or whatever it is. I'm just making that up, but it's somewhere in there. And then you may look at your own budget. You're like, wow, I'm paying 60 percent. And then you start to think like, well, then what do I do with the percentages and yeah, freaking, oh, I'm really afraid. You know, all that stuff goes on. And so we all deal with this. And what's interesting about these mentalities is that they're, they're no different than what people have been dealing with since we were created. And so I kind of want to shift gears, like I mentioned, and talk about how Jesus helped with some of the mentalities that, that people had. And I want to explain a story uh, in Luke chapter 12, and this is the gospel of Luke in the New Testament, and Luke's one of the books that describes Jesus' life, and it has great stories um, and an account of what Jesus did, and as you learn about what Jesus did, oftentimes he encountered people, and he, he taught in what's called parables. It's stories with a lesson. He told a story so that people would get this greater insight. And maybe you didn't get it right at first, but it caused you to think about it. And that's usually how wise people tell you. you know, they, they, they're not going to tell you something necessarily straight up. They're going to give you some things to think about. And as you think about it more, and you do some work on your end, you can learn more. And so Jesus did that a lot. So I want to pick up a story of this kind of idea of money and, and what Jesus did with it. Because I think it helps us move towards the right angle to look through. Okay, So... Here's where it picks up in verse 13. You can see it on the screen. Someone in the crowd said to him, just he's with the crowd. We don't know who it is. Someone in the crowd said to him. Now, this is like great blunt intro. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. (laughs) Just picture that. There's a crowd of people. Jesus there and people were coming to Jesus. They, They had heard like he could heal people. He was this great teacher. That's why the man called him teacher. So he had this reputation, and there's this group of people around, and there's this guy, and he's just thinking, man, we have got some family problems. My brother's not going to divide the inheritance. I'm not even going to tell Jesus my name. I'm going to go straight up to him and yell my problem and just hope he hears and says, I will answer your question. So he just goes straight to it. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he, that's Jesus, said to him, man, 
Who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? So he asked the question. He was just hoping that Jesus would like have this incredible insight. And Jesus basically says, like, who am I to tell you what should happen? Now, again, that was a test because, like, he was Jesus. So really anything he could say would be like, okay, that, that's the best insight I've ever heard on that specific topic. But he's just saying, hey, wh- what's my role? How, who am I to fix your problem? I don't know you, and you just yelled out this family rift you have in this crowd of people. What do, you, what do you want me to do? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So he says, you know, who am I to teach you and to help you here? And what Jesus knew is this was more than just this question. There was this issue of this man's heart. And he's saying, really, in just this brief moment, how can I really help you with your heart, with your concern, and actually probably some of your mentalities that are wrong towards money? But then he gives them a little insight. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Covet, covetousness. It's one of those words that just, I can't say, as you can tell. But it's this idea, when we covet something, we, we want something so bad that someone else has. And in this case, it was brother's inheritance and we don't know the background of the story we don't know was the man wronged by his brother what all the history was we don't need to know but jesus says be on your guard about just having this burning desire for something that doesn't belong to you and then he gives them this kind of reality for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions and then it goes on so now jesus kind of shifts here's just a little insight i gave you and then he tells them a parable So you pick up in verse 16. This is what he says. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And then he goes on in verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat. Drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's really interesting. He gives the warning to the man. No, don't, don't covet. And he gives this parable of a man that has everything. So if I'm the man that asks, I'm thinking, hey, Jesus, like, I actually don't have what I want. And you're telling me a story about somebody that does. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, how does that help me? But in fact, what Jesus is showing is that there's some different perspectives. The man who asked the question longed for him to get the share of the inheritance. And to teach the lesson, Jesus says, well, let me share with you about somebody who had everything that he could ever want. And you actually can see some of those mentalities. Okay? The guy that had everything he wants to pack it all in. I don't know if you've ever just had so much stuff that you needed to buy another like, barn to put your stuff in. But that, that's an interesting perspective. I have so much 
that I have to spend my money to store all the extra I have. Doesn't you kind of read that and you're kind of like, isn't there a part of us that's like, wow, that sounds good, or this part, soul? You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't there a part you're like, that sounds good. Soul, just take it easy. So Jesus is kind of setting up this perfect scenario. You'd think that all the people are like, yeah, can you make my brother do that so I can be like the guy that had to buy the extra barn for the stuff? Jesus didn't leave it then. He shifts gears. But God said to him, so this is now the perspective. You had this man who had so much stuff that he couldn't store it all. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. Basically, this night you, you, you're going to die. And the things you prepared, whose will they be? So you've got these buildings full of your stuff. But you're going to die. And then what's going to happen to all your stuff and all the storage that's hold more of your stuff? What's going to happen to all that? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So it's, he's saying there's, there's a foolish way of living life thinking that this life is the final destination. So get as much as you can, get as much as you can, and get as much as you can. So what Jesus is saying is at the end of it, you can have as much as you can and you can feel fully satisfied. And you can tell yourself, I finally have everything I want. Relax. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But if you die, there's no longer any eating, drinking. You're not merry with all your stuff. You're gone. And whose then will it be? So Jesus kind of cut right through to the man's question. You're wondering about this inheritance. You're wondering how you can get something that you think is rightfully yours. And again, we don't know the scenario. Maybe this, he feels fully justified. What Jesus is saying is, this is more than a family issue that you have. You and all the people around in this crowd, this is a heart issue. You need to know that there's something more than just living for the here and now and buying and buying and buying and gaining and gaining and gaining. Because this life is short. And then it's gone. And so I kind of want to just highlight two of the, the main principles Jesus teaches in that. Because it, it's caused to, to give us something to, to think about. And he shows us another way of these mentalities that we have. The first is our life isn't measured by our money and possessions. Okay. In fact, that's what Jesus said right at the beginning to the man. He said, and he said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So it's, it's a warning and it's, it's a comfort. And in this scripture, what he's saying is you are more important than your money. It actually goes back to the same premise that we're made to live forever. We have value as being created by God. We are eternal beings. And what Jesus is saying is money and possessions does not define you. That's not where you find your value. In fact, you have to be on, you have to be on guard 
against this. You have to be on guard of longing for a bigger paycheck than you have, longing for a bigger house than you have, longing for a better car than you have, longing for better clothes than you have. You have to be on guard against that. And be on guard against just wanting what other people have in comparison and the trap and the spiral of all those emotions and the pressure and the stress of trying to keep up with the status of all those around you. Jesus is saying, you're, you're more important than money. Your value is not in what you own. It's not in what you make. It's not in the title that you have. So you are worth more than that. Your value is not connected to your bank account. So that should, that should bring great comfort. Because if what Jesus is saying is true, if, if owning more and having more isn't what it's all about, then of course our value cannot be found in that. And then the second principle, this is where it turns the corner. And this is to, then what are we supposed to do? And that is being rich toward God brings security now and into eternity. And that's how he actually closes out the, the story. It's the warning. If you think it's about getting and getting and getting and owning and owning and owning, you're going to actually come up short. And in the scriptures, or the scripture you see here, um, it says, but God, if you could put it here, up here on the screen so we could see it. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There, there's that tension. We tend to think on this side of forever, right here in the here and now, that it's about us. That's our struggle, not just in our money, but in everything. As we relate to people, we're usually trying to put ourselves and our interests in front of others. At work, we're trying to think about how can we gain as much status as we can. And what Jesus is saying is there's a warning here tied to your money specifically. If you're laying treasure up for yourself, you're going to actually be in trouble. And instead, you're supposed to be rich toward God. So those three words, rich toward God, very fascinating because that's the perspective that we're supposed to have related to our money, to our paycheck, to what we own. How do we be rich toward God? And I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about that. How do we be rich towards God? And Jesus in another place actually uh, in another book in Matthew, talks about specifically what this looks like. Again, key perspective. People are dealing with this. How do I deal with like all the pressures of this life and trying to make ends meet? The same things that we're dealing with today. But he wanted people to know, you don't want to be rich towards society or rich towards culture or rich towards your own understanding. You want to be rich towards God. And so he, he kind of painted a picture of what that looks like. And so I want to pick up kind of how that looks like. And so what Jesus taught again in another place is that true riches come to those who invest in God's eternal kingdom. Okay, again, Jesus is thinking more than just the time in which he lived. He wanted people to see God's kingdom. He wanted people to come into God's kingdom. He wanted them to have a vision for forever and eternity and for it to impact their life and the decisions that they made. That's why he came. 
And through his life, and the fact that he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again, we could enter into that kingdom. And so you see, it's all complete in Jesus. The perspective, the truth, the stories, connecting the dots, and ultimately his life. He lived it, and he died, and he rose again. But this is what he wanted people to get. How do you find true riches? Something that's lasting, real meaning, real purpose. How do you, how do, you do that? And he, he gives another perspective in, in Matthew 6. And you might have heard this before if you've been around church for a while. But this is what it says. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's giving this picture. If this life's all we have, then we want to pack it all in. Then we want to build our shelter and our security. And we want more money so we can have more power. And it's all in what we can see. But what Jesus is saying is being rich toward God realize, makes you realize that that stuff, it, it's fleeting. It can be gone. I don't know if you've ever had anything like stolen from you. He's talking about thieves coming and steal. But if you've ever had something stolen, like you never forget it. I remember when I was in college, I had this like cool CD player. This was before like iPods and everything. So, you know, the measure of your status was like how cool was your CD player. And like if it was a six CD changer, mine was a one. So it was like, eh, I hadn't quite arrived, but I was getting there. And it had like red lights, and it actually like had like a display. Okay? Come on, guys. You remember your first stereo. Like, everyone's like, don't leave me hanging here. But I had this stereo, and one day I came out to my truck, and I noticed that my rear view mirror, my sliding rear mirror, mirror, no, it's not a mirror. What is that? Window. <laughs> How did they get in a mirror? Um, my window was, was like open. I was like, oh, man, I, I left my, my window open on the, the back of my truck. And as I approached it to close it, I realized that the whole, like, latch had been snapped off. And I thought, oh, no, somebody broke in. And then, like, I was concerned. And then I said, oh, no, my stereo. I thought, like, instantly that was the only thing of worth. <laughs> and you know what? It was taken. Of course. That was the only reason they broke in. There was nothing else. It didn't even have air conditioning. They couldn't even have stolen that, okay? It didn't have power steering either. They couldn't have stolen that either. All it had was the stereo, and I just remember that thinking. And I was so bothered that somebody took my stereo. Like, it really bothered me. It wasn't just that, like, I loved it, which I did, but it was like, dude, they broke in. They stole it. That was mine. And what Jesus is saying is that could happen to, to any of us. Anything that we own, any possession can be stolen. Somebody could hack into our bank accounts and take it out. And some of you are like, eh. <laughs> some of us are not as concerned. Some of us are more concerned. They could take your credit cards. All of us are like, oh, it's concerning. They could take our stuff. And, you know, we, we tend to not get overly freaked out if stuff's taken. We get over it over time. But even if no one takes our stuff, which is a possibility, 
Everything breaks down. And just like the man in the parable, when God brings us home and he takes us and our last breath is taken, our stuff is gone. We no longer have it anymore. It's no longer ours. So he's saying if if you're laying up your treasure, if you're putting your whole worth and your value and your security and your status and your idea of the good life in a place of treasure, where whatever it is, we're going to be in trouble. Because it can get destroyed, it can get taken, and ultimately it's going to break down. And even if it doesn't, and it lasts, and it's got these lifetime guarantees, we don't. We're going to break down, and we no longer can enjoy it. So Jesus says, don't, don't lay up your treasure there. Don't put your, all your energy and worth into building that. Do it. That's going to invest in eternity where it doesn't break down, where it can't be stolen. And it will actually go on forever. So that's how money and forever are connected. Because we tend to think money is just about here and now. And we need money to get by in life. Hear me that. I, I understand. We have to have money to live. All of us. And we have to actually provide for our family. We have to not be dependent on others. That's the goal. But Jesus turns the corner. It's like, not only do you, you know, need money to be able to survive, which we all do, but you actually need money to invest in what really matters. That's what it means to be rich towards God. You need to invest your finances and your resources into eternity and things of eternal significance. That's what it means to be rich towards God. And if you invest in eternity and things that are eternally significant, you have security because you know that nothing can touch it. It's secure by God himself. It will not break down. It won't lose value. It won't be wasted. You're investing in forever. And so all the mentalities that we have, we got to get to a point where God wants us as we get to know him and as we mature and as we walk with God and as we kind of see more of what it means to please him, we see that my money is just a means to pass it on into forever. And so I want to just talk about ways that you can do that practically. First one is you can give and support to the ministry of Church in the Valley. We actually exist as a church to... Build God's kingdom. That's why we're here. We want to help people come to know Christ. And that's the primary, primary way that you invest in eternity. Is If you're investing in people that are helping people come to know Christ, then that makes an eternal difference. Another thing is you can support other kingdom efforts. When we have the Christmas offering, it gives to other ministries. There's missionaries around the world that we support. You can give to the Christmas offering, which can go to... Those people as well. You can give to Christian Challenge, which we have a big group of alumni here and students at the University of Southern California. They're trying to help people on the campus get to know Christ, to walk with him. That impacts eternity. Personally, ministry and helping people cost money. So personally, what it means is you might need to spend money on, on hosting and connecting with others. Last week I talked about, you know, initiating relationships and connecting with people. 
you know, you, you actually can't really do that for free all the time. Because if you go and meet somebody, there's an opportunity where you could actually pay for their coffee. Depending where you go, coffee's expensive. You can get lunch. And even if they pay, you still have to pay for your own. It costs money. If you have people over, it costs money to host, to buy food, to run your air conditioning, to run your heater, like the one day that would ever happen, maybe the last few weeks. It costs money. So even in personal investments, the choices we make, Ministry costs money. Uh, another thing is you, you may want to actually put money in your budget for unknown things. Has anyone been in trouble and knew that they were going to be in trouble? Most of the time you don't, right? We've had that. Like We just got to a point where like something happened, something broke in our house, something broke in our car, and we're just in trouble. And we just need a little bit of help. So there's just an opportunity that part of how you invest in attorneys think like there's ways that I can meet needs for things that I don't even know about yet. And that's just that's hard to think about. But that's what Jesus is saying. You have to lay it up. You have to think about it. You have to plan for it. How can you by what you do with your money and resource, how can you invest in things that really matter? happens in hosting it happens in giving it happens in getting time with people investing in them this all costs but what jesus is saying is if you lay up the treasure in things that impact eternity it will be the best investment you will ever make so i was thinking about that as you like think about kind of why the church exists like why are we here like one of the things that gets me fired up is if somebody can come to church in the valley and maybe for the first time get a picture of God's plan for them. And maybe after deciding and kind of resting for a while, they decide, you know, I, I need to become a Christian. I need to make him the boss of my life. You think if like an adult were to do that, how do you measure the impact of that decision? Their life would be changed. They're married. They now have an impact on their spouse. What would happen if their spouse committed their life to Christ too? You now have these new Christians that are trying to figure out this new way of living. Is that going to impact their kids? Think about that. And what if their kids begin to see like the plan that Jesus has for their life and they decide, I need to give my life to Jesus too. And what in that they grow up just trying to ask God, what do you want from my life? And decide, like, I, I want to go into this field, and I want to be a lawyer. But I want to be the best godly lawyer that I can be. What kind of a difference would that make in our community, in our city? What if another kid just decides, you know, I, I want to be a missionary. I want to go to the ends of the earth to help people learn about Jesus. What kind of an impact would that have on the people that that person tells about Jesus? Now, we don't think about that a lot because we're thinking like my gas bill is due on the 7th of this month. And it's already the 12th. <laughs> you ever have those moments? That's what we think about. Like, did I pay that? I just got a text alert. That's where we think. But what Jesus is saying is you have to take care of your stuff 
You have to take care of your stuff. You have to take care of your stuff. But don't think that just taking care of your stuff is it. It's not. You have to live with eternity in mind. And when you give to the things of God and you give to the kingdom and you give to the church and you give to ministries that are helping people come to know Christ, it can impact generations. That's far greater than any retirement or any investment that we can have on this earth. And so I just want to encourage you, think about that in light of what you're stressed about. Think of that in light of how you're spending your money. Because it, it's a challenge to me, personally. Because I can get so caught up on this, you know, the, the cells of my budget and the expenses coming in, the stresses of life. The question that God's going to ask me is how did you spend your money and your resources on forever? And I'm going to have to stand before him and I'm going to have to answer to him. And so will you. So I want to encourage you to think about this because it can make such a difference in the lives of others. And ultimately, it changes people's destiny. And that's what I want my life to be about, changing the destiny of others. So as I wrap up, I pull out your connection card that Jeremy had you fill out. And if you haven't finished yet, as he said, that's a pretty important card we'd like you to fill out and drop that in the offering. And on the, the back side of that uh, card are some things that you can do this week as like next steps. Like these are practical steps that you can take uh, today. Uh, the first is to evaluate your current level of generosity in light of forever. Uh, that could be what you're giving uh, to the church. Uh, maybe you need to start giving to the church to increase giving. Maybe you need to look for other opportunities to help other ministries. Uh, maybe it means you need to start saving for hosting, having people over, like putting some stuff in your budget, like ministry expenses. How can I save a little bit of money to Take somebody out for coffee once a month. Maybe just start there. So begin to think through that. The second one is uh, ask God to show me my perspective on money. That was to pack it all in, the shelter, the security, the more money, more power. If there's just a perspective that you have that you think, you know, I need to, I need to look at that a little bit more. Ask, ask God to, to show you that. And then the last is you may want to memorize Luke 12:15. Memorizing scripture is taking verses that we talk about. And putting it to your memory so when you're faced with something, instead of just like, what have I always done? What have I always done? You can ask the question, what does Jesus want me to do? And if you have the truth of Scripture memorized, that's the reminder. So that's why we have that. So I encourage you to, to maybe do that. And so think through that as a church. I, I really look forward to seeing how God uses us to lay up the treasure uh, in heaven. So let's pray that he'll help us to do that. God, we thank you for the, the scriptures and the, just the, the lessons that Jesus taught. Crowds of people in a space and time thousands of years ago, but that faced the same questions and struggles and concerns that, that I do and that all of us do. So thank you for providing the scriptures, which is relevant to us here and now. And God, I know it challenges me and I know it challenges so many of us. God, help us to think through our own perspective and the struggles and the things that, that we face related to money 
And God, I pray that you'll grow our faith as we step out to consider investing in eternity. Um, I pray that you'll, you'll help us to you see just the small steps that we can take to do that. So we, we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.